When we're little, we're taught that Abraham Lincoln was such a great person. He was so kind and compassionate that he wanted to free all the slaves, so he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. He cared so much about this cause that he actually went to war over it. The truth is not that. This is from the Lincoln-Douglas debates. This is from the fourth debate, part one. This debate took place September 18th, 1858. The book that I'm going to discuss was published in 1859. I hope this episode gives you a clearer understanding about race relations in the northern part of the United States around the time of the Civil War. I will say then that I am not, nor ever have been, in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. The crowd applauds. They're applauding because they're happy that he's not trying to change the status quo. He goes on to say that I am not, nor ever have been, in favor of making voters or jurors of Negroes, nor of qualifying them to hold office, nor to intermarry with white people. And I will say in addition to this, that there is a physical difference between the white and black races, which I believe will forever forbid the two races living together on terms of social and political equality. And inasmuch as they cannot so live, while they do remain together, there must be the position of superior and inferior, and I, as much as any other man, am in favor of having the superior position assigned to the white race. Mr. Lincoln's Speech Mr. Lincoln took the stand at a quarter before three and was greeted with vociferous and protracted applause, after which he said, Ladies and gentlemen, it will be very difficult for an audience so large as this to hear distinctly what a speaker says, and consequently it is important that as profound silence be preserved as possible. Here he's asking everyone to be quiet so that everyone can hear what he has to say. He goes on to say, While I was at the hotel today, an elderly gentleman called upon me to know whether I was really in favor of producing a perfect equality between the Negroes and white people. The crowd erupts in great laughter. So they're laughing at the absurdity of the idea that black and white people could be equal. He goes on to say, While I had not proposed to myself on this occasion to say much on that subject, yet as the question was asked me, I thought I would occupy perhaps five minutes in saying something in regard to it. I will say then that I am not, nor ever have been, in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. The crowd applauds. They're applauding because they're happy that he's not trying to change the status quo. They're happy that he actually has no interest in social and political equality of white and black people. He goes on to say that I am not nor ever have been in favor of making voters or jurors of Negroes, nor of qualifying them to hold office, nor to intermarry with white people. And I will say in addition to this that there is a physical difference between the white and black races, which I believe will forever forbid the two races living together on terms of social and political equality. And inasmuch as they cannot so live, while they do remain together, there must be the position of superior and inferior, and I, as much as any other man, am in favor of having the superior position assigned to the white race. I say upon this occasion, I do not perceive that because the white man is to have the superior position, the Negro should be denied everything. 
thing. I do not understand that because I do not want a Negro woman for a slave, I must necessarily want her for a wife. The crowd then erupts in cheers and laughter. They're laughing again at the absurdity of the idea that a white man would want a black woman for a wife. He's saying just because he doesn't want a black woman to be his slave doesn't mean he wants her for his wife. And they're all laughing and cheering at that. He goes on to say, my understanding is that I can just let her alone. So he's saying, I don't want a black woman to be my wife. I don't want a black woman for a slave. I'd like to just leave black women alone. He goes on to say, I am now in my 50th year and I certainly never have had a black woman for either a slave or a wife. So it seems to me quite possible for us to get along without making either slaves or wives of Negroes. I will add to this that I have never seen, to my knowledge, a man, woman, or child who was in favor of producing a perfect equality, social and political, between Negroes and white men. I recollect of but one distinguished instance that I ever heard of so frequently as to be entirely satisfied of its correctness. And that is the case of Judge Douglas's old friend, Colonel Richard M. Johnson. So here the crowd laughs again because now Abraham Lincoln is throwing a dig at his opponent in saying he doesn't know of anyone who has any interest in creating perfect equality between black people and white people except one of his opponent's friends. And the crowd starts laughing. They seem to know some information about Judge Douglas's friend, Colonel Richard M. Johnson. Abraham Lincoln goes on to say, I will also add to the remarks I have made, for I am not going to enter at large upon this subject, that I have never had the least apprehension that I or my friends would marry Negroes if there was no law to keep them from it. The crowd laughs again. Here he's saying he was never concerned that he or his friends would ever even consider marrying black people if there wasn't a law to stop them from doing it. And he goes on to say, but as Judge Douglas and his friends seem to be in great apprehension that they might if there was no law to keep them from it. And now the crowd erupts in roars of laughter because again, he's throwing a dig at this person who does want equality between the races. Then Abraham Lincoln goes on to say, I give him the most solemn pledge that I will to the very last stand by the law of this state, which forbids the marrying of white people with Negroes. The crowd continues to laugh and applaud. And he goes on to say, I will add one further word, which is this, that I do not understand that there is any place where an alteration of the social and political relations of the Negro and white man can be made except in the state legislature, not in the Congress of the United States. And as I do not really apprehend the approach of any such thing myself, and as Judge Douglas seems to be in constant horror that some such danger is rapidly approaching, I propose as the best means to prevent it that the judge be kept at home and placed in the state legislature to fight the measure. So here the crowd is in uproarious laughter and applause, and he goes on to say, I do not propose dwelling any longer at this time on this subject. From here, Abraham Lincoln turns the topic of his discussion to things other than race relations. So this kind of gives a very clear picture of how he really felt about black people and about equality between black people and white people, despite the fact that Abraham Lincoln was the person to sign the Emancipation Proclamation, which proclaimed that nobody shall be a slave, that all people shall be free. He definitely did not believe that white people and black people were equal. He definitely saw white people as superior to black people, and he liked it that way. He had no interest in changing that 
that status quo. It's almost like people want to believe that just because the North advocated for the abolition of slavery, that Northerners were not racist. That is not at all true. There was so much hate toward Black people, toward any people who were not considered old English white people. They felt like this country was supposed to be for a certain type of white people, not for all white people. And we know how the Irish were treated. We know that initially Italians weren't accepted. We know that Chinese people specifically were excluded, as in not allowed to come to this country. So we just can't try and paint with a broad brush and say that after the Civil War, so much changed and people were equal. We know that there was a time immediately following the Civil War when black people were treated in some ways worse than when they were enslaved because these people were angry that they had lost their power and they wanted to try and flex their muscles and show that they could still dominate a population of people who really had nothing at that point. I say all this because I want to talk about a book written by a fascinating woman. Harriet E. Wilson published a book in 1859. Harriet called the book our nig, which is short for exactly what you think it means. Our nig is arguably the first novel that was ever published by a black woman in the United States. 